1: Brandon is a 13-year-old male who presents today for his health maintenance visit. Before his mom leaves the room, she expresses a concern. She states her home is an entanglement of smartphones, distractions, and media that's destroying her family. Brandon has had a phone since he was 10 and now his 8-year-old sister wants one. The mom wonders if these devices are dangerous or not. Following a recent storm where the family lost power, the mom noted that the house became unglued because there was no phone, no internet, no computer. Hi, this is Frank Domino. Joining me today to talk about sleep in childhood and technology is Jill Terrian. Jill is an associate professor and director of the Nurse Practitioner Specialties Program at the University of Massachusetts Medical School Graduate School of Nursing. Thanks for bringing this topic forward, Jill.
2: Thank you for having me, Frank.
1: So technology, kids, and sleep. Jill, what's known about the current usage of media by kids, and how does it influence their sleep?
2: So we're going to talk about um, digital media and sleep in childhood and adolescence that just came out recently in pediatrics. And what they found is at least 30% of preschoolers and 50 to 90% of school-age children and adolescents don't get enough sleep. We know that. We also know that screen-based devices, you know, we're talking about televisions, computers, iPads, phones, are in the bedrooms of 75% of children on average. And that we know adolescents, at least 60% of them, report viewing or interacting with screens one hour before they go to bed.
1: I would bet those two numbers are even low estimates. I would bet it's well over 75% of children have screens in their bedroom. So wow, That's really interesting data, Jill. What else do we know?
2: Um, Well, what we know is they looked at a systematic review. They looked at 67 studies over a 15-year period. And um, they found that uh, these devices of, you know, these digital devices basically displace time. They possibly stimulate, you know, stimulate you psychiatrically um, based on the media content that the um, child or adolescent might be viewing. And that they also have light emissions that might interrupt or disrupt your circadian rhythm and ultimately your alertness the next day, like daytime sleepiness.
1: I believe that's true. I believe there's there's really great data that shows looking at screens, especially late in the day, uh, interact with interact with your sleep. So this digital media and sleep in childhood and adolescence study, um, what did they find? Uh, were the correlations?
2: So, this was, you know, they had some international data. Um, They looked at, you know, they were observational studies, and they found that, of course, more screen, well, I shouldn't say of course. They found that more screen time equals less sleep, um, that the computer had a higher association with less sleep than televisions, and they think that was attributed to the interactive nature of of computers and and the handheld devices. They know that... Um, a device left on overnight in a child's room is a significant predictor of insufficient age-appropriate sleep duration. And um, depending on media exposure, the link to tiredness. So you look at kids that are going to school. They're based on a schedule. They've got to get to school. Whereas if you look at adults, you might adjust your schedule a little bit if you're a little bit tired because you stayed up you know, either on the computer or your device. But kids, they gotta get up and go to school. They can't adjust their sleep schedule so much. Um, They also know that in a cross-sectional study that 60% of adolescents take their phone to bed, and as you pointed out, that's probably a low estimate. 45% use it as an alarm, and um, that the association of tech overnight in a bedroom in U.S. children and adolescents is, is very high and not good does not lead to good sleep. Any thoughts
1: about how it alters your physiology?
2: So what they think, well, besides, you know, you have decreased quality of sleep, so decreased REM sleep and decreased sleep initiation. So less hours sleeping, right? And less hours of good sleep. And they also looked at light emissions from devices, which it's different because there are so many devices, they're changing all the time. And the current studies are looking at LED lights um, which is a whole different um, realm. They know that it may suppress melatonin, which we you know produce mainly later hours in the day and helps us sleep. So they think that may production of melatonin is decreased.
1: So this study's documented probably what we've suspected, that access to a screen, of any form of technology probably correlates for less sleep and poor sleep in children and adolescents and that it's a very common problem at least 60% are using their their phone in bed. All right, well, Brandon and his mom are both here. How are we going to use the study to help counsel them?
2: So, I'm glad Brandon's mom brought it up because, you know, she's having an open discussion with the provider in the room and her her son. So it's not like it's closing the door and saying, what do I do? You know, I'm at my wit's end. So it's a good open discussion and good communication. So I think that probably, you know, you need to talk about what you think the effects of these devices are. And you have to talk about, does Brandon have it in his room? Does he take his phone to bed? These are really hard and addictive behaviors to break. So I think it's a family discussion on how the family can be a good role model and how they can detox themselves from their devices. It's not easy.
1: Getting rid of these devices is a real challenge and especially helping an adolescent um, identify both I'm tired all the time, I'm frustrated because I'm having trouble getting up in the morning and that device might be something we as clinicians need to overtly state and help them realize that changing their behavior might make them have more energy or feel better,
2: right? And so, um, you know, another recent study that that had come out talked about how phones um, have um, positive reinforcement to make you look at them. They looked at um, you know everybody knows about Pavlov's dogs and that when they heard a bell ring, they would salivate, right? So the same thing they've noticed with smartphones is that you have notifications. And the notifications make you look at your phone, and they, you know, and so it's positive reinforcement. The, the, it dings, and you go and you look at your phone. And on average, people look at their phones 50 to 300 times a day.
1: 50 to 300 times a day? My goodness, so it really does sound like an addiction.
2: It, it really can, It really can be, much like alcohol, substances, and it can be mild, moderate, or extreme. After I looked at this data and looked at these studies, I kind of did a little test of myself. And I think I'm in the hundred range of looking at my phone. So one thing they suggested, a simple thing, turn off notifications. Um, Or if you're somebody that has your um, device at the table with you at dinner, that might be the time to say, let's not have any devices on at dinner. And that might be an easy thing to institute in one step at a time you know because the reality is the devices are not going away and Brandon's little sister wants a phone because guess what her friends have phones
1: I like the thought of introducing some changes change notification no phone at dinner discussing the concerns about using the phone late at night and and being a good role model is there any other data we know about adults I thought that adults checking their phone up to 300 times a day sounds very concerning
2: um, well What they found is, um, in a recent news report, was that um, people spend, average Americans spend five hours a day on their phone. Five
1: hours a day on their phone? Yes,
2: let me translate that for you. 76 days a year spent on their phone. So it really has a tight grip on us. Um, Another thing you could try is a 30-day challenge. Kind of be cognizant of what you're doing and um, see what your relationship is with your phone. It's, you know, it's hard to break up with your phone.
1: It is, I've, I've seen a, a number of uh, authors try to not uh, look at or just delete their social media accounts. And it is a struggle because when they're with their peers, all they talk about was something else that was seen on social media. Well, Jill, this is a great study. Thanks so much for bringing forward. Any final thoughts?
2: Yes, I think as you um, stated earlier, Frank, I think our role as, you know, as providers, primary care providers, is to talk about sleep and how important it is overall and how intrusive devices can be. But they're not going away. I think we have to be realistic about it. But talking about sleep and how it can help many phases of life, um, you know, nutrition and exercise, and it's it's just sleep is so important.
1: Thanks again, Jill. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. 75% or more of children and adolescents use some screen in their bedroom at night. Sleep disorders alter daytime abilities to succeed and probably need to become a priority in the primary care counseling of our children and adolescents. Join us next time when we talk about the new guidelines and the controversy associated with them in the management of type 2 diabetes.
0: Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on primed.com. Thank you again for listening.